If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. Become Marie's friend on Facebook or follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's new website. It has a whole new look and added features like Chakra of the Month and a live Twitter feed. Sign up for Marie's free newsletter. Each quarter, she writes an in-depth article in response to Dear Marie questions. Email Marie if you'd like your question to be answered in an upcoming edition. For more information, visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, or call 425-825-5671. Welcome to Marie Manucherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 16 years of professional healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My medical background combined with intuitive insights and skill in moving energy have been a catalyst for transformation in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to Marie Menu Cherry Show where energy and medicine meet. It is an almost gorgeous day in Seattle, by the way. It's finally breaking through. The clouds are breaking through and we can see a fair amount of blue sky here. It's getting there. I know. It's gorgeous. And we're, you know, getting closer to the weekend. So we might have some nice days this weekend if you need a garden or start up that barbecue, Eric, right? I got to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's actually quite beautiful, even though I am wearing boots and it's late June. Well, almost late June. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm just really excited because we've got a show. My band has a show. We're playing a little oh. summer festival down at Tacoma Urban Arts Festival. Oh my and gosh! Sunday's supposed to be spectacular weather, and that's where we're playing. It's like, oh, thank you. So tell me <laughs> more again about this festival. What's uh, it called? It's the Urban Arts Festival. It's uh, happening down by the Glass Museum along the Thea uh, oh Foss Waterway in Tacoma. So perfect location. It's free. It's two days. It's Saturday and Sunday. It goes from noon to nine. Tons of free music and arts and, uh, you know, food and all oh kinds gosh. of great stuff. Yeah. Great weekend to be in Tacoma because Taste of Tacoma is also oh this coming goodness. weekend. So. Oh, you could just have a... a- it's going to be a smorgasbord yeah, of wonderful events. <laughs> so your band is playing on Sunday. Yeah, what yeah time? right around 6.20. 6.20 in the mm-hmm. evening. And could you remind everyone the name of your band? It's called Battersea. Battersea. So, mm-hmm. you know, we get a lot of people who write in and talk about how much they like you, Eric, and what oh, a nice man you sweet. are and a beautiful voice you have. So if you want to meet Eric in person, <laughs> it's Sunday at the Urban Music Festival. That's exciting. That's yeah. just great. Yeah. yeah. It's lovely. It's going to be fun. Uh, and it's free. You and can't it's be free. free. No, you can't be free. Outdoor music in the sun in Seattle. I mean, geez. Or right? Tacoma even. In Tacoma, right. <laughs> in Tacoma. So, of course, it's Thursday. And on Thursdays, I interview guests. Um, Tuesday's Boot Camp for the Soul. So it's all me. And then on Thursday, I have the pleasure of interviewing people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought, whether they're authors or healers or artists or whatever they happen to be. Um, it's always a pleasure to get other people's viewpoints, not just mine. And so today we're interviewing Alyssa Ballard, and um, she wrote the book called Epiphany. It's really quite beautiful. The cover's gorgeous. It's full of about 50 different stories of events. Um, Some famous people have recited their events of epiphanies that they had in their lives, and some just everyday people, some people that she's met along the way as she began to discover um, this idea to write this beautiful book. Elise is an actress, an independent filmmaker, and a film producer. She started her career in entertainment working as an actress in New York, Austin, and Los Angeles. Her work as a producer began in L.A. as a partner in a production company that produced films distributed by Longsgate and Monarch Entertainment. So welcome, Alyssa, to the show. Hi. 
Thanks so much for having me. And it's Elise. Elise. Oh, I'm so sorry, Elise. I actually did practice, and then my assistant's name is Alyssa. So I apologize, Elise. (laughs) All the time. I just didn't want you to keep. I just didn't know. Yes. No, I appreciate you correcting me. I want to know. I absolutely want to know. So Epiphany is true stories of sudden insight to inspire, encourage, and transform. Yeah. Really exciting. And you had an epiphany of your own. That's what started all of this, right? That's right. Yes. I had been in a marriage that I just couldn't seem to extricate myself from, but both of us were, were not happy for a long time. And I had this epiphany um, that gave me the strength to start taking action to change my life. And about six weeks later, my life was so incredibly different that I sort of woke up one day and went, how did I get here? I mean, it was just so different. And I, my mind flashed back to this moment, an instant that I had where everything changed for me. I mean, and it literally had happened in an instant. And in my case, it was a fear that I had about leaving this marriage that was in one instant revealed to me and then the same instant released from me. And I wasn't even um, aware that I'd been carrying it around. You know, it felt as if a weight had lifted off of me. So I was so amazed that in one instant I had changed so drastically and was able to, to to make change in my life and take action Finally, after struggling for so long um, and, and, and trying to change it and trying to uh, make my life better and leave this marriage. And, um, and so I started asking people if they thought they'd ever had an epiphany because I, I was sort of like, wait a minute, I, that's what they call an epiphany. I mean, that's <laughs> what they're talking about when they talk about epiphanies, right? Yeah, right? So I started asking friends and colleagues, and through my work, I just ended up starting to interview people on the fly. I would ask them, what do you think your greatest epiphany in life has been? And they just were so compelling and entertaining, the stories, um, that you know the project started to develop as a reality show or film idea. And then, m- more importantly, what I realized from the stories were that I would find myself thinking about them later. Mm. You know, not only were they entertaining and interesting, but I would find myself thinking about them later and utilizing what people had shared with mm-hmm. me in my own life. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then in developing it as a film, someone wanted to develop it as a film and a reality show. I started writing a treatment, and I realized just how powerful these stories were, not only to listen to them and see them in video, which I have a lot of videos on my website. I still film as many of them as I can. But... In the written form, they were just as powerful and in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's how the book idea came about. Mm-hmm. And you've also done a documentary that's quite famous, and they call it cult famous, actually. About <laughs> right. it's, it's an annual dog race in Texas, correct? Yeah, it's, I, yeah the film is Lord of the Weans, a documentary, <laughs> D-A-C-H, like a play on words. I love that. Oh, that's cute. Um, of, of document- yeah, it, it, I uh, shot the annual Wiener Dog Races in Buda, Texas. And um, I think that would be a sight to see. Have you seen the film, Eric? I have not. Yeah, it's. It, I can't wait to see it. It just sounds. Oh, and so oh, they do I'll this every. One. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So they do oh, yeah. this every year. Oh yeah. When I filmed it, it they probably had maybe you know eight hundred to a thousand people over the course of the whole weekend because you know Buda is a town of a, at the time was about twenty three hundred people I think, and it's a little town right outside of Austin and. And now people come from all over the country, all over the world, in fact, I think now. And there's over 50,000 people that make it 
to this event, and I just, I had no idea there were so many Dachshund fans in the world. I mean, I, I send the, the movie to people all over the world, so who knew? That's amazing. So that's why they call it a cult thing, because, you know, it's still going strong, and it's been out now since 2005. Oh, it's really exciting. I mean, that's really fun yeah. to have work that you do be appreciated so much and widely yeah. seen. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, that was such a celebration of the love of the people's pets and families, and, you know, it's it's really cute slice of American life, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. So, yeah. no, really, it is. That, that's a lovely, cute slice. I really like that. So, um, so we know what epiphany is now, you know, this amazing moment where you wake up and you have this new insight that, for some reason, has escaped you maybe for years, right? I think that's the case for most people, um, or something has just completely derailed, but in a positive way the way you've looked at life, and you now have this incredible new insight. It's really a fascinating experience. And, and I also read, and I agree, that some people, and probably everyone, has had many of these in their lifetime, but they tend to forget about it until they start to read your book. <laughs> and they go, oh, yeah, I had, oh, you know, and they start to recall all the epiphanies that they've had as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that has been. Um, that I started, well, that started happening to me when I was interviewing people, um, or I would have epiphanies of my own because of what they had told me, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not life-changing. I mean, these. I asked everyone in the book what their greatest epiphanies in life were. Right. Like, I was asking about the biggest moments, right. the ones that had the greatest impact, or and what they thought. And sometimes, as you said, there were more than one of those moments, and right. many of us do. But it's not like you have a hundred of those huge life-changing true. moments. Usually, it's true. Usually, we have several or even just one of those big life-changing ones. And then we have these little directional ones, you know, the ones I refer to more as what they term aha moments, Mm -hmm. you know, that are more, um, you know, little Mm -hmm. epiphanies. And that's what I get from all the time from hearing. And some of these epiphanies I've worked with have been life-changing for me. The one about self-compassion was a big one for me. Um, But in listening to other people's stories, you have your own epiphanies by hearing theirs and then you you're exactly right you'll remember moments in your own life that perhaps you had forgotten or that you weren't um you hadn't really dwelled on mm-hmm. to really mind them for what had really happened in that moment and what mm-hmm. it had meant to you mm-hmm. and and you will find when you revisit these moments in your life which I have done over and over again because of this project that there's even more and more to learn and glean from these moments. There is so much wisdom in them. There really is. And it's time, it's just, it's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. I had no idea mm-hmm. when I started this project. As I said, I just thought they were entertaining, interesting stories. I had no idea the power of them, um, the, the healing aspect of telling sto- your story, these moments in particular, and then listening to them and hearing them so what, and absorbing them. How did you choose the people? Because you have some wonderful people, I mean, some profile people that we all know, like Dr. Oz yeah. and Maya Angelou. How did you choose um, whose story you were going to have in the book? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I mainly asked people, if I knew them, I was ju- I admired them, you know, for whatever reason. Um you know, I, I, some people I worked with in the book, some people were my friends. Um, my, I thought of my fifth grade teacher had made an enormous impact on my life. And it was interesting. I was thinking I needed to find her, and she found me on Facebook the oh next day. Oh, my gosh. And, um, it was weird. 
serendipity, I talk about that in the book, yeah. <laughs> um, happens quite a bit when you act on your epiphanies. So those kinds of people, people that had impacted my life and I wanted to reach out to them, pe- friends of mine, I would just ask them, you know, what do you think your greatest epiphany has been? And I would get these incredible stories. I had no idea it happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I encourage people to ask people in their lives about their epiphanies. You mm-hmm. won't believe the stories you'll get, mm-hmm. the insight you'll get. And then people that I didn't know, like Desmond Tutu and Maya Angelou and um, Ali McGraw, people, I just would reach out to them because I admired what they were doing in the world, and I had discovered that um, these epiphanies hold some of our greatest wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and in finding people in the world that I admired for whatever reason and asking them about their epiphanies, many times, if not in my case, I felt like every time I got some of their greatest wisdom and which has helped me, you know, and perhaps in sharing their stories with me and it's helping me. And if we share them with others, it will help others as well. So that's how I did it. I, and I, or I'd meet someone in a van. I met a guy in a van when I was working, and he was interesting. And, you know, it was kind of like that. A lot of serendipity went into play for people I didn't know. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, what I found fascinating, too, is when I was reading Maya Angelou's um, Epiphany, the first one anyway, because um, she wrote two of them, I believe, two little sections. And, and, it, and it was lovely, and it was beautiful, and I'm sure it was big for her. Um, but it, I, I thought, wow, it's just so simple. I mean, it's, it's you know, her, she brings her ch- her first child home for the first time after yeah. giving birth. And um, she's 17, so she's young. And she's afraid she's going to squish the baby that's sleeping next to her. Not that, you know, I certainly had those thoughts, too, when I had my newborns with me. But I was had my husband next to me, and I was thinking, okay, he'll be watching out. Um, but her mother woke her up because her mother said everything would be safe, if I remember well. And uh, everything would be fine. It would all work out. And her mother woke her up when she was sleeping with the baby. And she had just naturally made this tent with the blanket over the baby <laughs> to protect it. it. It was really beautiful. But I was uh, surprised by how simple the story was. But yet it had touched her so deeply that years and years later, she still recalls it and wants to share it. Yeah. And then, and, and how, you know, and I interviewed her. Mm-hmm. And so when she's telling me the story, she... She said, well, you know, we all have epiphany. We probably all have 250 epiphanies, and they all build on each other. So the one you have when you're 10, mm. you know, well, then the one you had when you were 15 then builds on the one you had when you were 10 and, and on and on and on. And then she goes into the stories, and she tells the one when she was 17 and then the one when she was 22 and how they – and then at the end of the story, you see how they built on each other. Mm-hmm. It was just remarkable a master storyteller she was she is she's, on the fly um, i hardly edited her it's amazing oh my gosh oh yeah it was and, and i've forgotten that part about it building you're so right and i bet many people could look at the aha moments that they've had in their life and how they build on yeah, one and you know it's funny that you bring up my angelo too because yeah. the other way i got people i would i would reach out to people or get ideas of who to interview is from a lot of things i read and stuff too but also people on my website you can write in uh, whose epiphany you want to know about? Oh my or gosh! People that I, um, people that I, I started asking everyone I interviewed whose epiphany you would want to know about, oh and Maya gosh. Angela was a big one for a lot of people. Oh well, con- and congratulations! I mean, it's a beautiful book, great website, a lot of great information, and of course, these stories do create you know hope and faith for people. Which you pointed out that that is a big part of epiphanies. They help us get in times of crisis, but they help us to move forward in our lives. Most of the time, that's what they create for us, which is quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. Quite beautiful. 
So we're going to take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show, and I hope I do I do say your first name correctly this time. Is it Elise or Elise? Elise. Elise. So I'm interviewing Elise Ballard, the author of Epiphany, a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous book. I mean, really, you're going to want to read it. Um, I love the stories. They're fascinating and so interesting. We'll come back and talk about those, too, as well, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Have you ever wondered who you were in a past life? Or what you did exactly? How your life even ended? Did you know that your past lives play a pivotal role in who you are today? Come learn about your past lives at my Past Life Integration Workshop, Saturday, July 23rd, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Courtyard by Marriott on Lake Union. All of these situations don't have to replay in your current lifetime. During this day-long interactive workshop, I will share my interpretation of your past lives and offer healing techniques to serve as a catalyst for positive change in this lifetime. Sign up online at energyintuitive.com or call my office at 425 425- 825-5671 to register. See you there. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman. Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and visit Deborah's website at DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Join Marie once a quarter in 2011 for her new Thursday evening class, Stepping into Consciousness. This two-hour-long seminar will teach you how to positively live in this reality and how to reawaken yourself from the dreamlike state where most of us humans reside. Come interact with like-minded people, and you may even receive a mini-reading. Upcoming Stepping Into Consciousness classes will be held on August 18th and October 20th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Don't forget, this is Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in gorgeous Seattle. I'm just saying, although I have my boots on, I must admit, and socks and a tiny little jacket. But I do have a, a sleeveless uh, shirt underneath just waiting for the clouds to continue partying. But it is really beautiful here. It's very comfortable right now. <laughs> yeah. Eric's a happy camper. And we know that, you know, I'm usually ecstatic over the weather when you're not. So we know it's good. <laughs> it's moving in a positive direction. So it's Thursday here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show. And I'm interviewing Elise Ballard, the author of Epiphany, a really beautiful book. I highly recommend that you go and get it. Um, I, I feel so blessed that... 
were uh, often asked by um, publicists and publishers if we would be interested in interviewing their authors. And so we get to get books. Alyssa and I do, my assistant, we get, we get books in the mail and we get to read them. And this is one of them that I just loved. You did a wonderful job, Elise. It's a beautiful book. So kind. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. No, it's a really great book. So you also talk about the four patterns that are, you know, in all epiphanies. Um, you know, that something like something happens in these four patterns that bring faith to us in a higher power. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Um, well, again, I was asking everyone what their greatest epiphany in life was. That was the question that every single person was asked. And what I found in that when anyone told me the story about their greatest epiphany is that their life was changed um, for the better every time, Mm -hmm. at least everyone I interviewed. Mm -hmm. So um, I found four things that happened every single time an epiphany changed someone's life for the better. And they were, the first thing was, they were always listening. They were paying attention. They were open to these moments for whatever reason. Sometimes that meant they were in crisis. You know, sometimes life will not get our attention until we are absolutely in desperate need, which hopefully we don't have to be that way, um, you know, after having one of these. But um, sometimes life will hit us upside the head. But sometimes people were just in prayer or meditation or were just listening and open for whatever reason. They were paying attention to the world around them. Um, you know, they, an epiphany would spark by something someone else said or something they saw or, again, something they, they felt in prayer or meditation or they heard an inner voice and they were willing to listen to it. Um, the second thing that always happened when um, this happened is everyone, when they had one of these moments, we believed in it. Mm. We believed in this moment about what it meant to us. So sometimes these moments, as you read, were like crazily miraculous, you know, and a miracle by definition is inexplicable by natural law. So, you know, it might seem insane or crazy or impossible to other people, but that did not matter to the person. What mattered was the truth of what that moment was to them. So regardless of what happened, what the truth was for, for in that miracle or in that moment or in, you know, like you said, in Maya Angelou's case, a very simple moment, what the truth was for them, they believed in that. And the third thing that happened every time they had pure faith in this moment, everybody took action. Hmm. They took action on what they felt, com- felt compelled to do. So a lot of times, if not most of the time, a lot of us, we took a baby step. You know, in my case, I had my epiphany when I was in this marriage that wasn't working. And my my baby step in action was to go on Craigslist and look at sublet. (laughs) That's all I did. Right. You know, and and other people, the same thing. We took a baby step. You know, someone, um, you know, started researching. She had an epiphany about self-compassion and she was in psychology and she started researching to see if anyone had studied self-compassion in the field of psychology and done a, done a dissertation on it, and they hadn't. And now she has a book out and is a leading expert in self-compassion. These are just oh, examples. But, gorgeous. But everyone we took, you take the first baby step. You must take action for an epiphany to change your life. By definition, an epiphany is a moment of sudden or great revelation. That's the, that's the definition. So by definition, you can have an epiphany. But if you don't take action on it, it's not going to change your life. Mm. Mm. Um, at least from what I could tell. Mm-hmm. So the fourth thing that always happened when you go ahead and take this action, even if it's a tiny baby step, 
serendipity would come into play. It's, I call it, it's as if the world conspires to support you. So you take that first step having no idea what the second step is going to be, and then the second step is revealed to you, and then the third step and the fourth step. And pretty soon, you know, you're in a whole new place. Wow. And, um, and so and the great thing about these four things, the listening, believing, taking action, and serendipity, is that you start learning, hopefully, how to do this in your life, you st- or you're, you're encouraged to do it more and more, you know? So you hopefully are starting to live a life where you are paying attention, where you are listening, and that you have a lot more faith. You don't doubt these mm-hmm. moments like mm-hmm. I did. I was one of those people that doubted them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, until I had this this one that finally sparked me to take action. So so those are the four things I found. And um and when you start doing it, you know, start really paying attention and and taking action and having faith, and you'll notice the serendipity. And it's a really exciting way to be living. No, I I love how you put it into how you could use these steps every day in some way. Yeah. You know, to make your whole yeah. life flow better, feel like you're in the flow of the universe. You know, in that synchronicities as it's sometimes described so that we can not have to wait so long to have things work out or wait till they get to a crisis point. Although sometimes crises just occur out of nowhere. I I remember this one, I've had many epiphanies in my life. I would say most of them over the last uh, 20 years, I would say they increased in for me um, significantly. Um, But I had one and this was way before they all started happening to me. My, I was, uh, had my first child about five months of age and she was quite ill. Um, she had a high fever. I'd called the doctor. Our pediatrician was out of town. My husband was um, also gone. I was by myself. We were living in a really small college town. I didn't have any friends or family there. And I was just a wreck. I was beside myself. I didn't know what to do because the doctor told me she was fine. So I didn't feel like taking her to the hospital. And I didn't have a car either. My husband had taken the car. And I was laying on the bed, just kind of petrified, worried, because I just knew the baby was sick. And I saw this it was as, as if the ceiling, and it was a very weird thing today. Now it's a normal occurrence for me to have multisensory experiences. But part of the ceiling um, turned into an outline of a butterfly, and it started like flying across the ceiling. And for a moment, I thought, I must have her cold. <laughs> Whatever she's got, I've got it too now, <laughs> and I'm having, you know, delusions, right? And um, right. But and then I had this, you know, instant insight to walk across the street to where some neighbors live, this elderly couple who had befriended us and ask her if, you know, I mean, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that earlier. And so of course I did. And uh, she came right over and said, we need to take the baby right now to the doctor. And we did. And she had pneumonia and uh, luckily she was fine. But it was, it was also the beginning of me seeing weird things and, and, you know, having a, a positive relationship with it, that it had special messages for me that um, were good, not crazy, um, but we're good. So I, I think epiphanies are fascinating. And I loved what you said in the first part about really listening. Like you have to get to that point. And maybe sometimes we're in crisis. We become so desperate that we, you know, in our yelling out in our mind for help, whatever one does, that makes us listen. And I wonder, yeah. you know, if that's part of the ingredient. Hmm. Well, and you're finally ready to listen. You're finally, you've gotten to where you, you, you know, you're not, you're not trying to control everything. You're not ignoring it. You're not too busy. Mm. You're desperate. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or sometimes you get, you know, there's one story in the book, uh, Chloe Wordsworth talks about where she was a nanny and one of the children she was watching, they were on a hike, had rolled down the hill into a stream. And everything gets still, right? You know right. what I mean? Like, And she heard 
get down there right now. <laughs> and she didn't doubt that this voice she heard, she didn't hear it outside of her, but inside of her. And she just got down there and she said what normally would have taken her 10 minutes took probably 10 seconds. Wow. And it was miraculous. You know, she's in the miraculous, she's in the miracle section of the book, actually, because of that. But, um, but you know, it, 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 she, there, was, there was a crisis, and there was no room for doubt. And she says she was brought up that way, but, you know, sort of their whole, her parents were um, very spiritual, very progressive in the healing arts and in education. And so she took it at that time as just for granted. Like, these kinds of things happen all the time. It wasn't like some miracle, you know, thing to be freaked out about, you know, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but in her, what happened is she realized later in life when she started developing what is now called resonance repatterning, um, and through all these different modalities that she studied as a healer and as a teacher, um, is that that moment was a building block for what it, understanding that everything is possible, you know, mm-hmm. anything is possible no matter what, and that she, and that doubt and fear and disbelief um, around our instincts and around our intuition, you know, will will stop what is absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we will we will stop ourselves. Doubt is what, what will cause and disbelief in in what we know to be true in our innermost self will cause us not to, you know, move forward and have and have um, a spectacular life and have things we're supposed to be doing happen. You know. Yeah, so, it's getting out of our own way, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and that listening just is really key, you know, and then yeah. I loved how you I, I love that you had the epiphany really of finding the pattern, you know, within all the stories and what made the most change for people long lasting was taking a step, just even a small one. I, I find that fascinating and hopefully encouraging for those who are listening or who may read the book, because uh, I think that's an important part towards movement of any sort is to take some sort of step. You know, the yes, smallest can, one, like even. Like I said, if you can take, like, the tiniest baby step, if it's right for you, you know, if, if it's the right thing, serendipity will come into play. It mm-hmm. will. It's happened to all, every single one of these people, mm-hmm. you know, in my life, too, that, that, that the next thing will be revealed, so you'll know what the second step is, the mm-hmm. second even baby step. And then you just got to keep trusting and it will happen, you know, if it's right. You know, I always say, look, if you're doing something and nothing is working out, it's not working, then right. you might not be on the right track, you yeah. know. And I'm a firm so, believer in that. I, I think that things are supposed to work out well. I, I really believe that. And um, if you've put a lot of energy into something and it's not happening, it's a sign. Don't, you know, stop. <laughs> Don't go there anymore. Right. Find and something else. And it's the opposite else. with the other. If, if things keep flowing, keep going. Right. You know? Oh, I love that. And that's that. what I found with these epiphanies hmm. is that, um, yeah, I just, things keep flowing. Keep yeah, going. I like that. That's a great I one. <laughs> and, and you <laughs> also have. Write that down. You should. Yeah, you should. You also have beautiful <laughs> quotes throughout the book, too, that are yeah. inspiring and um, very spiritual. I loved them. They're just beautiful. And and so was that fun, finding those, or were the, those things that you had read over the years, or how did you come about those? The quotes? Mm-hmm. The quotes are from all the people. Oh, are um, they really? We, I yeah, didn't notice the that part. Are the title of the uh, person's interview. <sighs> so sometimes, I mean, I started asking people as I got into the project, I started asking them, what would you say your um, greatest wisdom from this moment, or what is it that you learned from this? 
And sometimes they came up with it, and sometimes they didn't. And so sometimes I would go through the story, and I would figure out. Oh, and you would find it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So it was great for me, because sometimes I remember um, Alexis Minko's was, um, his is a very dramatic epiphany, and someone just wrote me about how it's helped them a lot get is, through is that a the gentle is that the gentleman who um is american and korean like i was trying to remember no that's no. andrew co i love yeah him. that was a I great one that was yeah, lovely that gave, that gave me such insight uh-huh. it, because you know I, i'm I, insight into you know being um not from america rich. i guess he was an american but not his parents being a you know at both a, a korean right. and an american i thought it was just so beautiful. It doesn't have a connection um, to like Microsoft and because it made me, you know, think of the Northwest, I believe, when I was reading that story. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and, exactly. and, and so he had his epiphany. Well, he had it twice. Once when he was five, realizing that all of his American friends from school, because he was the only Korean kid in his school when he was growing mm-hmm. up, um, how he felt like he wasn't American because uh all of his friends felt weird when they had to take off their shoes when they walked in the house, <laughs> yeah. you know, which was a normal, obviously, um, cultural experience. And then years later, when he was flying into Korea to do work for two years, probably for Microsoft, um, and he realized he wasn't Korean, <laughs> that, that he hadn't spoken the language in years, that he didn't, didn't even know what the dress was, you know, at the current time in Korea. And, but I think that's kind of fascinating to kind of strip away your identity and be something new or be everything, you know? I, I just, I That's thought that what was... he said. He goes, I'm, bo- I'm not American. I, I said, I'm American, but I'm also Korean. I'm both, and I have the best of both worlds. Yeah, I th- And, and uh. he, his, his quote, actually, that you bring it up, I was going to, Alexis Minko, he mm. was originally from Paris in Africa. Oh, right, one of your he, friends. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And, well, I, yeah, and then when I interviewed him, I didn't know him that well, but mm. he, um, but he's now a friend, and he had tried, had a suicide attempt. And it luckily was not successful. And when I asked him at the end, and Andrew was like this as well. He's, uh, I forget ex- his, Andrew's exact quote was, embrace your distinctiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that mm-hmm. was his, um, you know, um, and, and Alexis did it too. He said, you know, to be blessed, be generous. Wow. Wow. It was just so, and then I was like, wow, I'd say that one all the time. And wow. also, you know, Maya Angelou, now she didn't say her quote, but she had said it within her epiphany, mm-hmm. which is, we are, she said, I am loved by love itself. There's nothing good that I can't do. Yeah, I just, oh, gorgeous. Yeah, the quotes are just stunning. And, I'm, and that's a big one for me. Well, I'm so impressed that you went in there and found those, too. That's really quite lovely. That's really lovely. Oh, well, it was my privilege. What a a great job. A remarkable job. We're going to take a break, another break here on the Remania Cherry Show, and we'll be right back with Elise Ballard, the author of Epiphany. I hope you go out and get it. It's a fabulous book, um, and we'll be right back. Become a Reiki Master the weekend of September 9th through the 11th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You'll learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic site and providing constructive feedback. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. 
you'll receive attunements that allow you to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com for more details. Manson Mitchell welcomes back Carol Lieberman to talk about the secrets of bad girls and why so many men fall for them. Then Don Schmidt uncovers the details of the Roswell incident from witnesses to this legendary UFO encounter. Next, relationship expert Catherine Alice shows how love will find you when you magnetize your soulmate. That's Manson Mitchell in the morning, Saturday at 10, followed by the Gary Mann Show at 11 Pacific. Hi, I'm Lauren Archer. I'm a hypnotherapist that helps people change their energy by changing their mind. And I'm Lorelei Spiegelman, and I am an energy healer who helps people change their mind by changing their energy. Together, we're the Soul Sirens of Seattle, and we invite you to join us on our show, Inner Spirit Medicine, Mondays at 3, right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. To find out more about us, join us at our website at soulsirens.tv. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction, with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath, Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt, to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health and hormones the dvd series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671 bringing you fresh perspectives every day alternative talk 1150 a.m and welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are fortunate today to interview Elise Ballard, the author of Epiphany, a really great book that has even famous people, their stories in it, like Dr. Oz, which is kind of exciting. It doesn't have great energy, Dr. Oz. Oh, he's lovely. He really is, he is lovely. So lovely. Yeah, and his quote is directly from his um, from his Epiphany too. And you've worked with him because you've did some video for his book series, correct? Yeah, yeah. We uh, I produced all the videos that go along with his exercises and all the U-books. And actually, it was just in New York on um, working on Dr. Oz, on, a, on a, a fitness challenge for DrOz.com. Joel Harper, who's also in the book, is um, Dr. Oz's trainer, and so I did um, a, a fitness challenge with him on DrOz.com. Well, was it fun? I doing some stuff with Epiphany for that. Oh, it's a blast. <laughs> You have a great yeah. life. Oh, it sounds really exciting. That's lovely. That's really lovely. So who was the youngest person you interviewed for the book? Well, um, for the book, and, and she's not in the book, I interviewed a 15, I interviewed my 15-year-old niece, actually. Wow. Um, and I, I wish I could have interviewed more, I wish I had time to interview more children and, and um, teenagers. I want to do that for the, for in the future. Wow. I just needed a lot more time than I had to do it. But the youngest person in the book is a guy um, by the name of Stan Daniels. And at the time, he was 23. And um, amazing. I could not believe how mature and resolute this guy was at his age. And it, he was an extreme sports guy. Um, mm-hmm. He was on his way to being a professional biker, and um, he broke his back at oh. 19 and wow. was paralyzed from the chest down. And 
his epiphany um, had to do with that moment that his quote is, you're only, I hope I don't butcher it, it's like, you're only as successful um, as you're willing to try. Oh my so gosh. basically, his was about, he just, his epiphany at 19, he woke up in the hospital and he just said, you know, this is not me. I am not, I'm going to have the life that I dreamt for myself before this happened. This is not going to stop me. Wow. And he is. He is now an Olympic skier in the Paralympics. He's on the Canadian <laughs> Olympic team. He, people, just, he just raced in, in December. I think people are amazing. I mean, because I don't think I would be able to do that, you know, to lay in the hospital bed and say that. It would take a lot of time for me to get there. And aren't people just so impressive and inspiring for all of us and to have someone get up and live a full, happy, successful life when it wasn't the way he thought it was going to be? Amazing. Just absolutely exactly. amazing. And, you know, and the other thing is about the, what this book has done for me and hearing all these stories is that, you know, I never stay down for too long when I get, you know, when things get hard or whatever, because <laughs> so many people, and we know <sighs> this, we see the news, we know people that have much bigger challenges than us, not only in our country, but all over the world, much right. bigger. Right. But you get so myopic in your own little world, you know, in your own challenges, and we all have our challenges. But for me, getting to work with these stories firsthand, um, I just, I'm like, you know, people have suffered much bigger challenges than me, and mm-hmm. hopefully than I ever will have to. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, and look what they've done with their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, look how they've gotten through it with flying colors, you mm-hmm. know, not without struggle and not without the honesty of, of going through it. Right. Um, you know, sometimes in an ugly manner, you know, but coming out the other side and, and beautifully and doing not only for themselves, but so many others. Yeah, because that's really how these stories help all of us is basically what you're saying is, you know, they give us strength when we face what we think is challenging for ourselves. It's just like, you know, my stuff really isn't that bad. Get up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, they can do that. I right. can do that. You know, one right. of the stories is about, a lot of stories are about forgiveness, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. Not a lot, but, you know, that's that's one of the a big theme in Epiphany Moments. And um, one of them, a story, one of the, you asked me how I reached out to people. I read about Linda Beale in Vanity Fair because of Desmond Tutu being interviewed. He mentioned her, and I didn't know who she was. And I went and read about her, and I had an I it changed me on the spot because, of her capacity to forgive. And I, I, she's the first person I cold called that I wow. didn't know that I called up and asked her if I could interview her. Wow. Um, because her story had changed my life. And, wow. And because it made me realize I was in a situation that I couldn't forgive. And I realized she could forgive her. These people, the, the, these parents um, forgave people that killed their daughter mm-hmm. in, in South Africa during the apartheid uprising. And not only did they go and they stood up for amnesty for these people during the trials in in South Africa when they were promoting um, um, reconciliation rather than retribution, and um, and they stood up for that. And not only that, they invited these guys to then work with them in the nonprofit promoting reconciliation, forgiveness, and uh, you know economic wow. and education for people around the world. And two of these guys work with Linda to this day speaking about forgiveness and reconciliation <sighs> around the world. Isn't that just gorgeous? I mean, and it, Yes, and it, it is just, it's an example of mm-hmm. true forgiveness, mm-hmm. and which is rare to find, frankly, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I said, you know, she could forgive. 
I can forgive. And I may right. not have forgiven completely in that instance, <laughs> but I knew that it was possible. And to this day, when I find myself having trouble forgiving someone or really angry, I, re- I know that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and you keep working on it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's just an example. Oh, it's fast. And I, I think it also points out, because there are many stories of loss in the book, you know, because that's when a lot of people are in crisis and have these epiphanies. Uh, yeah. I think it points out that when, because people leave here when it's their time, you know, no matter how hard that may seem, um, I, I don't believe there's an accident. I think that we go when it's our soul's time to do something else. And yeah. when we can take a death or a loss and learn something from it that so positively affects our lives and so many others, as you described this woman's story, this mother's story, I, I, I find that just so moving and, and I have so much gratitude, you know, for her that she could open up all of our eyes to creating peace and harmony and forgiveness. Wow. That's just amazing. So who is the oldest person that you've ever interviewed or in this, you know, particular in scenario? In the collection, mm-hmm. um, Florence Horn, mm. she was 91 when I interviewed her. And um, and hers was a simple story, which I loved. A lot of people have commented on it. And um, she um, was, what I really found interesting is that she's 91 and her greatest epiphany, she was like, you know, of course she had many epiphanies that we discussed. I mean, she'd had a very fulfilling, interesting life. and But her greatest one had happened when she was 10. Wow. She was in a play. Yes. And, you know, and it was, and she was in a little play and she had to play the hunchback and she wanted to play the princess, you know? Oh yeah. I remember. I love this one. Yes. Go ahead. I know. And it's a very simple story, but we can all relate to it. And that she realized this at 10 years old, because of the way the play was structured, this little hunchback really was the hero of the play at the end. He saved the king and did all this noble stuff. And she realized that she needed to always look for what, and her, her takeaway was, what we may cast aside as worthless can hold great treasures mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, because she know? wanted to be the princess, you know, and she yeah. wasn't casted for it, and she got to be the hunchback. And then had and that... she thought, is something wrong with me? Am I <laughs> yeah. ugly? Right. You know, what she realized is that she was the hero, and that right. we always needed to look, she always looked in life, what for the deeper meaning of things, the deeper part of people, right. you know, what she thought was like a bad situation or worthless or whatever. She said, wait, she would always stop and look at it from a different angle and find great value in it. Mm-hmm. it, and, it went, and this is this instance where I was like, oh, this is a neat story, you know, and then later I found myself doing it. Ugh. I found myself going, wait a minute. And I found great value in something I was about to discard as being, you know, a frivolous, notion in my head or, or something that had happened. It was just, well, and it, I th- it, yeah. It made me think of her character too, like whoever casted everyone to play certain roles must have thought she was of noble character to cast her as the hunchback. <laughs> and, and that was something she realized about herself at whatever point she had that epiphany. Cause I, I don't know how old she was when that moment occurred to her, if it was at that age of 10 or later on, I, I don't recall that part of the story. Oh, that she would know that that was yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think not at 10, you're not going to go, oh, I had an epiphany. But, <laughs> but yeah, she realized that, yeah, that that was this, um, I mean, I guess she thought about it in hindsight as a moment that was, she didn't tell me. I didn't ask her. I should have. I should have asked her when she thought, 
when she mm-hmm. realized that that was an epiphany mm-hmm. moment. You mm-hmm. know, she might have said right then, but I think she had already realized it. And she had other ones, you know, about her children, about her husband and stuff, but this was the first one she talked about and the biggest one. And there were several people whose greatest epiphanies in life happened when they were in their, I mean, Young. Um, Cory Booker's happened when he was 12. He's the mayor of Newark. Wow. 12. Rabbi wow. Shmuley, um, his happened when he was 13. And um, Frank Desiderio, his happened when he was in his teens. I don't know, he was in high school. I didn't get the exact age. But, yeah, sometimes these will, it, they range They range in age of when these happen to people. Some people don't get them until their 50s, 60s. Some people get them in their 20s. I mean, it's just there is no rule of when you will get, you know, an epiphany or what you will consider your greatest one. Oh, oh, just gorgeous. Well, you are, thank you so much for doing what you love because, you know, you loved writing this book. You love making films. You All the things that you do you love, which I wish everyone would do that in the world, would dis- take the time to discover, you know, what they love yeah. because we all benefit yeah. from it. So um, I just thank you so much for coming onto the show and for talking about um, your wonderful book, Epiphany. And, and there's a lot of famous people and others, of course, that are interviewed in the book. But as you said, Desmond Tutu, but Michael Beckwith, and um, G.W. Bailey and Barry Manilow. I mean, lots of um, fascinating. I mean, it's definitely an interesting read. I highly recommend it. And it will make you happy. It's something you can open up when you're in a bad mood and just open up a a story and be inspired once again. I I think it's a great book. Wonderful. And what are some of your current projects right now? What are you working on now? Well, I'm still collecting epiphanies. So if you go to epiphanychannel.com, you can write in your epiphanies to me and suggest people, and I love getting the definitions, various definitions of epiphany. There's a whole section you can do that. So every Friday I post epiphanies that people are writing in to me. They're just beautiful. So um, we're building a community uh, of people sharing their epiphanies on epiphanychannel.com, and you can also go watch a lot of the videos that I've shot yeah, of it. Yeah, nice. I'm also um, talking to people about the you know uh, television shows developed around this concept. So I'm working on that. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's very, it's really fun. And then um, I'm writing some other stuff. I'm writing, you know, and I'm I'm writing articles now for Psychology Today, and I'll be working with um, a great new website that's coming out that has an amazing fan page called Positively Positive. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, it's great. They're they're really a neat community. And um and another gentleman just invited me to blog for him. Um, called The Daily Love, which is also doing that kind of stuff. So I love lots it. of fun um, places I'm writing articles for, Psychology Today, and then I'm um, doing the television shows, and then I'm writing some other projects. So we'll see what happens. But I still, I can, I, now I'm just, I, I can't seem to help interviewing people. So I've been interviewing <laughs> people still, too. You're hooked. You're hooked on so, it now. And I don't blame you I, because these are fascinating stories. And um, yeah. we, we hope our listeners um, get to enjoy them and transform their life as well. Thank you so much, Elise, for coming um, on the show with us. Just wonderful oh, to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Have a beautiful day in L.A., and I'm sure you're going to have people writing into your site and watching your video, and I look forward to hearing about your new projects. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So this is the... Uh, you know, um, of course, that was wonderful. Really, go get the book. I loved it. It's beautiful green. I, I love that, too. Blue, excuse me, kind of a blue-green color. <laughs> um, at any rate, um, this is my last live show for a little while because I'm going to be in Colorado with Sounds True. And we're working right now. I mean, Sounds True's marketing team is 
going to be, oh, they might be in their offices already working on titles for the CD I'll be recording all next week, which will be really fun. I'm very excited about that. And, uh, and then I'll leave on Sunday to go hiking after I'm done recording. And I'm going to also go, they have a Shakespearean festival going on um, in Boulder. So mm. Misha and I are going to catch a play. Isn't that going to be fun? Awesome. I know. Romeo and Juliet. That's what we're going to go see. But we'll have uh, some great encore shows for the next uh, three we editions will. of the Marie Manu Cherry Show. And, of we course, will. you'll be back live on July 7th. Right. We're going to play um, John Holland again and Dr. Christine Northrup that we've interviewed before. And then we'll right. have a boot camp for the soul up, too, so that um, a replay from a previous one. So if you forgot some homework or you want some more homework, it'll be there. Um, and then you'll get to hear from those two lovely people who are inspiring and knowledgeable and great authors of course. So that's very exciting. And then in July, uh, yeah, I'm back on the air. What day did you say this? Seven? July 7th. Okay, yeah. July 7th. So glad Eric knows my schedule so well. Um, so I'll be back on the air live on the 7th. And then I'm teaching um, a class about, you know, bringing um, past life integration. So that's on the 23rd of July. I'll be in Seattle at the Redmond Town Center Marriott talking about all of those wonderful and amazing things. That's a really fun class. People kind of freak out when we notice the past lives, like, really? Um, but it's always been surprising to me how the issue that comes up in the past life is really an issue in their current life right now. And then we can troubleshoot on how to resolve those issues in this lifetime and let that other one kind of integrate and go away and all of those fabulous things. And Eric, I'm so excited about your fun thing on Sunday. Oh, you are? Cool. I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited, excited too. for you. I'm sorry I won't be in town to go watch or I would. Darn. Oh, wow. I know. I'll be on the airplane, actually, or landing or somewhere around there. Well, very cool. And you'll be on the on the stage for, what, one hour or how much time do you yeah, get? Yeah, we get about 45 minutes, 50 oh, minutes or so. So yeah. yeah, Sunday around 620 Tacoma Urban Arts Festival. And the name of your band again? It's Battersea. Oh, I love it. I just love it. And we just want to thank everyone for listening to the show. And uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, of course, we're live at noon. And you can go to energyintuitive.com, listen to any of the archives whenever you want to. And my Twitter feed is live on the front of the homepage. So you can find out what I'm tweeting about. And, of course, find out who's coming up on our next shows because we always have a, 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 a current list of who's ever going to be interviewed on Thursdays. And then if you go to my Facebook page, you can find out what's going on in Boot Camp for the Soul because I do post the challenges and what we're going to be talking about um, at least a few days before the Tuesday show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, it's a pleasure and a blessing to be on the airways and to know that you're listening. I wish you a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye. <laughs>